Well, we made it, folks. We've hit the final election in the series. It's been a long 36 days, and we've covered a lot of elections, and I want to thank all of you for following along. It's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot about our elections, and I've covered a lot of really cool things that I didn't know about, and I hope you all really enjoyed it too. I've received emails from people saying that they've enjoyed the podcast. I've picked up new patrons. I've had new donations, and that means the world to me because this was a huge amount of work. I wrote 77,860 words over 36 days, and I created about 12 hours of content. And to know that people really enjoyed it, it, honestly, it means so much. And if you really enjoyed it, consider supporting through a donation on my website. You can just click donate at canadaehx.com. And really, it can be any amount, even $5. I appreciate every donation, and it helps keep the lights on. And I, I can't tell you how much it means to me. And of course, you can support through Patreon if you like. You can go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX and you can support for as little as $3 a month or you can support for more and you get early episodes, early videos, things like that. You get swag. There's, there's a bunch of the different things that I offer. On that note, I want to say thank you to Katie, Jeff, Caleb, and Robin, all of whom either donated to the podcast or became patrons this past week. Thank you so much. Again, it means everything to me that you guys love the podcasts. Originally, From John to Justin was just going to be the Prime Ministers, and now we've covered all the elections, all the Prime Ministers. We're going to be finishing covering all of the opposition leaders. I'm going to be start covering the Governors General, and then after that, probably the Premiers, because this of all the podcasts that I do, this one is my favorite. I really love it. And I'm so happy that you guys like it too. Let's get to the last election. After gaining the second most seats in the history of the Liberal Party and returning his party to relevance in 2015, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau would bring in several changes to the Canadian landscape over the next four years. Some of the most notable included the legalization of marijuana and the implementation of a carbon tax. An independent, academically edited study would look at the 353 promises made by Trudeau during his first mandate, and it found that he kept 92% of his pledges, at least partially. One pledge that was not kept was the commitment to make 2015 the last election that used the first-past-the-post system. After a special committee was formed to look at it, which recommended a proportional electoral system be introduced after a national referendum, but in the end, Trudeau dropped support for electoral reform, stating, quote, It is because I felt it was not in the best interests of our country and our future. End quote. He would add that it would give too much power to extremist and activist voices and create, quote, instability and uncertainty dividing the country, end quote. The parties in the House of Commons, apart from the Green and the Liberals, would go through leadership changes as well. For the first time since 1993, the Bloc Québécois would not be led by Gilles Duceppe in an election. He would be succeeded by Yves-François Blanchet, and the NDP were no longer led by Thomas Mulcair, who had resigned, and Jagmeet Singh would take over as leader. The Conservatives went through a leadership convention as well following the resignation of Stephen Harper. On May 27, 2017, in an astounding 13 rounds, Andrew Scheer would emerge as the new leader of the party. In the final round against Maxime Bernier, who was considered the front-runner, Scheer would take 50.95% of the vote to the 49.05% by Bernier. A year and a half after losing the leadership race, Bernier would leave the Conservative Party and form the far-right-wing People's Party of Canada. 
Initial polls would show a very close election with the Liberals and Conservatives sitting neck to neck and the NDP and Greens vying for third place. The Liberals would focus their campaign on eliminating subsidies for fossil fuel businesses, balancing the budget in 21 years, supporting the Trans Mountain Pipeline, cutting corporate income taxes to 7.5% for zero-emission products, planting 2 billion trees by 2029, banning single-use plastics, and protecting 25% of Canada's land and water by 2025. They would also pledge to increase healthcare funding by 3% per year, raising the minimum wage and increasing the number of new immigrants in Canada from 310,000 to 350,000 by 2021. The Conservatives would run on a campaign that would privatize the Trans Mountain Pipeline, eliminate subsidies for fossil fuels businesses, balance the budget in five years, ban dumping raw sewage into waterways, withdraw from the United Nations Compact on Migration, increase health care funding by 3%, and prevent American residents from applying for asylum or seeking refugee status in Canada. As for the NDP, it would increase funding to the CBC, remove interest from federal student loans, oppose all pipeline construction, protect 30% of Canada's land and water by 2030, ban non-renewable electricity sources by 2030, build 500,000 social, build 500,000 social housing units, raise the minimum wage, and abolish the Canadian Senate. A total of six leaders' debates would be held, although two would be cancelled, and for the first time in Canadian history, two of the debates would feature six party leaders. The first debate was held on September 12th and featured Scheer, Singh, and May. The second debate was cancelled, while the third debate on October 2nd featured Trudeau, Scheer, Singh, and Blanchet. The only debates to feature all six candidates were the French and English debates hosted by the Leaders' Debates Commission. During one debate, Trudeau would again link Scheer with Ontario Premier Doug Ford, to which Scheer responded, quote, You seem to be oddly obsessed with provincial politics. There's a vacancy for the Ontario Liberal leadership. If you're so focused on Ontario politics, go and run for the leadership of that party, end quote. Trudeau would also be attacked by May, who chastised him for not doing enough with his majority. She would state, quote, It's so heartbreaking for me to look at you today and know that you could have done so much more the last four years, end quote. Scheer would also attack Bernier in an attempt to distance the People's Party from the Conservatives, accusing him of, quote, making your policy based on trying to get likes and retweets from the darkest parts of Twitter, end quote. On the topic of women's reproductive rights, the men on stage tended to talk over May until finally Singh stated, quote, a man has no position on a woman's right to choose, end quote. May would respond, quote, how about a woman's right to speak in a debate? It's been really interesting for most of this campaign to hear a lot of men arguing about what a woman's rights should be. End quote. As the campaign began on September 11th, Trudeau was dealing with the SNC-Lavalin issue, in which the Ethics Commissioner found that Trudeau had improperly influenced former Minister of Justice Jody Wilson-Raybould to intervene in an ongoing criminal case against the company. The scandal had come to light in February of 2019, but remained a major issue at the start of the campaign for the Liberals. Several Liberal candidates would also be in hot water in the media after the writ was dropped when it was found they had made posts on social media. One made comments that were deemed anti-Semitic, and another was found questioning the involvement of Osama bin Laden in 9-11. The biggest news story of the campaign, though, was easily the revelation that came to light on September 18, 2019, in a photo published in Time magazine. The photo showed Trudeau when he was a teacher at West Point Grey Academy in 2001 in brown face makeup. Trudeau immediately apologized for the photo and stated that he had also worn similar makeup in high school. The next day, an earlier instance in the early 1990s showed Trudeau in blackface. 
he would again apologize and state he was not that person anymore. Global News uncovered a third instance of racially charged images of liberal leader Justin Trudeau. Let's bring in our Ottawa Bureau Chief Mercedes Stevenson. She has broken the story. She joins us now from Vancouver with the exclusive details. Good morning. Good morning. A video uncovered by Global News, which has been verified by the Liberal War Room as, in fact, containing images of Liberal leader Justin Trudeau in black face makeup. The Liberals have declined to tell us exactly when and where this video was taken, but you can have a look. It's pretty grainy. Uh, we wanted to be very sure that this was, in fact, the Liberal leader before we made the video public. They did confirm to us last night that we are looking at Justin Trudeau in this video. You can see that he has black face makeup on. It's covering his face, neck, his arms, and hands and you can see between the tears in his jeans there that he also appears to have the makeup down his legs as well. This as you mentioned is the third image of him within about 12 hours that has come out, uh, and uh, initially broken by Time magazine. I can tell you that Global News obtained this video and has been trying to verify it for a couple of days. We approached the Liberal War Room with it last uh, after that news broke from Time magazine to ask if this was in fact him. Uh, obviously such a stunning video that we, we wanted to be absolutely sure, but they do say, yes, this is Justin Trudeau in the video. Uh, they referred to his previous apologies on wearing blackface makeup and brownface makeup as being inappropriate. They've not issued an additional apology for this video at this time. It's interesting because the Liberal leader was asked last night whether he had ever appeared in brown or blackface before after that uh, time news broke. And what he said was that he had done it once before in high school. This is not the high school incident. We have verified this is a separate incident. So this is now a third time that the Liberal leader has been seen in blackface or brownface. Uh, and as you can imagine, this is extremely politically charged given the history of blackface and brownface makeup, the race stereotypes that it has been used to perpetrate, uh, and certainly the Liberal leader's position on being progressive and inclusive. So we are waiting to hear reaction, of course, today, a campaign trail from all of the parties. But again, this is the third incidence that we have seen, and it is a separate incident than the two that were reported previously and one that the Liberal leader did not reveal last night when he was asked about this. The public was mixed over the photos, with some stating they were offended and would not vote for him, while others, including minority community groups, defended him. Trudeau would also speak privately on the phone to Jagmeet Singh on September 24th to apologize privately for the brown face. Trudeau would say of the matter, quote, I should have known better and I didn't. I'm really sorry. It was something that I didn't think was racist at the time, but now I recognize it was something racist to do. End quote. In the days following the scandal, polls found that the majority of Canadians were either not bothered by the scandal or had accepted Trudeau's apology. On October 13th, a security threat against Trudeau would result in one event starting 90 minutes later, and Trudeau would have to wear a bulletproof vest while being surrounded by armed security. His wife, who was supposed to introduce him, did not appear on stage. Both Shear and Singh expressed concern over the threat, and the RCMP would remain with Trudeau at events for several days. For the Conservatives, there were worries over the linking of Ontario Premier Doug Ford, who was deeply unpopular in the province, with the Federal Conservatives. As a result of this, Scheer would distance himself as much as possible from him and did not campaign with the Premier through Ontario. As with the Liberals, several Conservative candidates were dropped during the campaign over social media posts that were seen as anti-LGBTQ, discriminatory against Muslims, and anti-abortion. Scheer also had difficulty during the campaign over a video in 2005 in which he spoke against same-sex marriage. 
Shear would not give a response to questions related to the video, and if he did, he stated that it was Trudeau trying to create a wedge issue. When Trudeau apologized over the blackface photos, Shear was asked again if he would apologize for the video, but he did not. During an interview on a popular Quebec talk show, he was asked about the video and he chose not to answer. He would eventually say that he supports the law and the rights of Canadians, but he would not walk in a pride parade. This would cost him support in several areas of the country as well. And the NDP also announced that due to his comments, they would not support the Conservatives in the event of a minority government. When asked if he believed being gay was a sin, Scheer responded, quote, My personal opinion is that I respect the rights of every single Canadian. End quote. There's nothing more important to society than the raising of children, for its very survival requires it. Homosexual unions are by nature contradictory to this. Andrew Scheer was a 25-year-old first-term opposition MP in 2005, explaining why he opposed the bill to legalize same-sex unions. As they cannot commit to the natural procreation of children, they cannot, therefore, be married. Mr. Scheer. Mr. Scheer. Scheer, like the vast majority of his Conservative caucus, led by Stephen Harper, voted against the bill. So did a number of Liberal MPs. Mr. McCauley. Today, 14 years after that vote, Liberals decided to post Scheer's comments online and highlight how the Conservative leader refuses to take part in pride parades across the country. Scheer is a devout Roman Catholic. In recent years, he's avoided debate on major social conservative issues like abortion and same-sex marriage. But his position from 2005 is no secret. I have my own personal beliefs and, you know, my own faith background. In fact, our Rosemary Barton asked him about that very speech when he ran for the conservative leadership. It happened in 2005. You know, I was a member of parliament at the time. I, I voted my conscience. I voted my constituents' wishes. It's not something that I, I'm uh, looking to revisit or to, to reopen or things like that. Today, his campaign team reiterated that point, saying Scheer supports same-sex marriage as defined in law and as Prime Minister will, of course, uphold it. Conservatives point out Liberal MPs have also opposed same-sex marriage or voted against it in the past, calling the video the Liberals shared today another desperation tactic from Trudeau on the eve of an election. Scheer would have to deal with another issue on September 28th, when the Globe and Mail found that there was no record of Scheer ever having a license to work as an insurance agent, which he claimed he had worked as in the past. I'd like to follow up on my colleague's uh, question for a little bit more clarity. Exactly how many months did you work at that insurance office? Um, I can go back and check my uh, my personal records, I guess, but uh, it was in the year t in 2003 when I was uh, 24 years old. Uh, I worked from approximately spring to sometime in the fall, so uh, six or seven months. And can you clarify exactly what tasks you were working at in that office? Because there's a lot of things that are done in an insurance office. So what exactly did your particular job entail? Mm -hmm. uh, supporting the, the, the whole team, uh, answering, uh, answering questions from uh, customers and clients and uh, doing preparatory work. Uh, and, and explaining information, uh, passing on information to uh, two people who would come to the office. Okay, but, um, so you were never actually working as a broker then, it doesn't sound like? I, as I said, I received my accreditation under the Canadian Accredited Insurance Broker Program. Uh, the, and in this particular office, the, the, the licensed brokers finalized all the, uh, the transactions. Scheer would respond that he did receive accreditation, but that he left the insurance office before the licensing process had finished. 
In response to this, the Insurance Brokers Association of Saskatchewan stated that Shear completed only one of four required courses that were required to become a broker. Third issue for Shear would hit only days later, on October 3rd, when it was found that he had dual Canadian and American citizenship. His father was American, which gave Shear American citizenship. Shear would state that he had begun the process of renouncing his American citizenship in August, had not voted in a U.S. election, but had filed U.S. tax returns. He also stated that he had registered for the draft under the U.S. Selective Service System. Asked why he did not disclose his dual citizenship, Shear stated he has never asked about it. Shear would state, quote, Everyone who knows me or knows my family knows that my father was born in the United States, and I've been open with that, end quote. It's not a big deal in, in Canada if, uh, to, for people to have dual citizenship. But does that no big deal approach also apply to those who are trying to become prime minister? That's one of the many questions both reporters and critics are asking after it was revealed conservative leader Andrew Scheer has dual citizenship, both Canadian and American. I don't think this would be an issue were it not for the fact that the Conservatives did make it an issue with respect to Stephanie Dion and Tom Mulcair in the past and also with Governor General Mikhail Jean when she was there. The new revelation follows doubts about Scheer's claim that he was an insurance broker and his unwillingness for some time to admit he is pro-life. I think it's less a matter of the dual citizenship itself being a problem and more a matter of the fact there's this drip drip of things that are raising questions about Andrew Scheer. I decided to, after I won the leadership, that I would, uh, I would uh, renounce my citizenship and so I have had meetings with the uh, representatives from the embassy to, uh, to tell them that I was renouncing my citizenship and have submitted the paperwork. For the NDP, the biggest issue among voters appeared to be the fact that Singh was a Sikh and wore a turban. Jonathan Richardson, who was a former federal NDP executive member for Atlantic Canada, would state that several potential NDP candidates were hesitant to run in New Brunswick because of the turban. Several voters in Vernier, Ontario, stated they would not vote for a leader who wore a turban. On October 2nd, one man told Singh to cut off his turban so he could look more Canadian. In response, Singh stated, quote, Canadians look like all sorts of people. That's the beauty of Canada, end quote. The man would state, quote, In Rome, you do as the Romans do, end quote. To which Singh stated, quote, This is Canada. You can do whatever you like, end quote. Many Canadians and news pundits praised Singh for how he handled the situation. Singh would shake hands with the man, and the man would state at the end of the exchange, quote, Take care, I hope you win, end quote. Now before NDP leader Jagmeet Singh stepped onto that stage tonight, he was thrown into a public debate right out of the blue. A man told him to cut off his turban to look more Canadian. CTV's Kevin Gallagher on the blatant racism and the thoughtful response. As Jagmeet Singh met with Quebecers at a Montreal market, one man gave the NDP leader some unwelcome campaign advice. You should cut your turban off and you put a little, you look like a Canadian. Oh, I think Canadians look like all sorts of people. That's the beauty yeah, of Canada. Yeah, but, uh, That's, I don't agree, in, sir. In Rome, you do as the Romans do. Hey, but this is Canada. You can do like whatever you like. <laughs> all right. Thank <laughs> Thanks. I hope you can. This happened right after Singh was asked about racism he's yeah. encountered. I've faced that my whole life. I grew up in, in Windsor and Toronto and St. John's, Newfoundland, Labrador, and we've got beautiful communities that are welcoming and loving, but in all those communities, there's also been systemic racism uh, that's existed across Canada. Singh is being praised for his poise facing prejudice. I think it's ridiculous, honestly. I really do think that Canadians are just Canadians, and I think it's just racism. 
flat out. Mais ça crée une somme d'appartenance. This woman also says Singh should remove his turban because it would create more social harmony. Singh's identity presents a challenge other leaders don't face. But tonight, his message to Canadians is celebrate who you are. We all belong. The new party on the landscape, the People's Party, would deal with accusations of using dog whistle politics after four members of its party were found to have been using racist and anti-immigrant rhetoric. While they were removed from the party, another problem appeared when a photo of Bernier and members of an anti-immigration group appeared online. Bernier stated that he was unaware of their views, but many questioned this and believed that he was aware of who was attending his rallies. On September 23rd, Several news organizations reported that one of the founding members of the party was a white nationalist and two others had been members of anti-immigrant groups. Another volunteer for the party was reported to be a former neo-Nazi leader in the United States. The individual was removed from the party when it was discovered. On September 2nd, Bernier called climate activist Greta Thunberg mentally unstable on Twitter. He would state a few days later he was criticizing her role as a, quote, spokesperson for climate alarmism, end quote. The election would actually prove to be one of the nastiest in years, with several candidates signs defaced, slurs yelled at other candidates, and in the most high-profile case, the campaign office of Liberal MP Catherine McKenna had a word I won't repeat on this podcast written across her face on a large poster. The Ottawa police would investigate the incident as a hate crime, and McKenna would say of the incident, quote, and that is why women don't enter politics. End quote. This is really beneath us. It's <laughs> Canadians. Um... I'm angry and, quite frankly, really disappointed. Many call it one of the most divisive, nasty election campaigns in history. Catherine McKenna's campaign staff discovered this vulgar slur for the female anatomy spray-painted on her campaign office window in Ottawa. Maybe the first thing out of the person should do is think about whether you use that kind of language for your mother, your sister, your girlfriends, your daughter. And if you wouldn't, then maybe don't use it on other people. <laughs> McKenna served as environment and climate change minister under Justin Trudeau's government, fronting the divisive carbon tax. That often made her a target. She has endured death threats and even misogynistic taunts from opposition members, like being called climate Barbie by former Conservative MP Jerry Ritz. We've seen what's happened in this campaign. It was not a great campaign. It was very negative and divisive, and I think we can do better, and I will work on that but it's not going to chase me out of politics. It's just going to make me recommit. McKenna often has to travel with security to ensure her safety. Some of the verbal abuse even happened while she was out with her family. Despite the personal attack, McKenna blames another growing problem she sees. It isn't about me. It's about what kind of politics we want in our country. In Ottawa, Nigel Newlove, City News. In a poll done a week before the election... If only men voted, it would have been a huge conservative majority. But if only women voted, it would be a massive liberal majority. For working-class Canadians, their support fell to the Conservatives. In the October 21st election, the Liberals would win, but would lose 20 seats to fall to 157, resulting in a minority government. The Liberals also picked up 33.12% of the vote, which is the lowest vote share for a party that formed a single-party minority government. The Conservatives would have a 34% of the vote, making this the second time in Canadian history that the governing party formed a government after receiving less than 35% of the national vote. The previous time that happened was in 1867. The Conservatives would win 26 more seats, finishing with 121. 
Scheer would claim that this gave the party the strongest majority in Canadian history, but in terms of ratios based on previous Parliament seat counts, it did not even sit in the top five of strongest opposition parties. The seats it did win was the most ever won by an opposition party in Canadian history, though. The Bloc Québécois rebounded heavily with a gain of 22 seats, finishing with 32, allowing it to become the third party in the House of Commons for the first time in 11 years. And the NDP did not do so well, losing 15 seats and finishing with 24. This was the worst election result for the party since 2004. The Green Party, in contrast, had its best election, picking up another seat and finishing with three seats, the most it had ever received. The party also received more than one million votes for the first time in its history, and the party also elected its first MP outside of British Columbia. As for the People's Party, they would not win a single seat despite running in 315 ridings. The party would only receive 1.62% of the vote, well back of the Green Party, which had 6.55% of the vote. Bernier would lose the seat he had held since 2006, and in his riding, the Rhinoceros Party had actually put in a candidate with the same name as Bernier, resulting in two Maxime Berniers running in the same riding. The riding was won by the Conservative candidate. The Liberals would be mostly shut out of the Canadian West, and while the party did win 11 seats in British Columbia, they did not win a single seat in Alberta or Saskatchewan. Ralph Goodale, an MP from Saskatchewan for 26 years, would lose his riding in an upset. The party would win four seats in Manitoba, along with 79 in Ontario and 35 in Quebec. The Conservatives would take 33 of 34 seats in Alberta, all the seats in Saskatchewan, and 17 seats in British Columbia. In Ontario and Quebec, the party did poorly with only 46 seats, including 10 in Quebec. The poor showing in Quebec is likely due to the poor performance of Scheer in the French debates, where he was heavily outmatched by his French-speaking opponents. The election would set a record for the most women elected to federal seats in an election with 98. The Green Party elected the highest percentage of women with two of its three MPs being female. The election of Trudeau to a second mandate would spark separatist talks in Alberta and the Wexit Alberta Party applied for federal political party status on November 4th, only a few weeks after the election. On November 6th, the interest in secession from Canada in both Alberta and Saskatchewan reached 33 and 27% respectively. The Wexit Alberta Party would eventually change its name to the Maverick Party before the next election in which it would run 29 candidates. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at the 2019 election. Tomorrow, well, there will be no episode, because on Friday I'm back to looking at the opposition leaders who never became Prime Minister. And again, thank you so much to everybody who's reached out to tell me you've enjoyed the series, donated, become a patron, all of it. I truly appreciate it. Thank you. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash canadaehx. And you can donate to the podcast by going to canadaehx.com and clicking donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Katie Caldwell, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, Brianna Fultz, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Shove, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke Guess, J.P. Bear, 
Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Information from Maclean's, CBC, Global News, CTV, Wikipedia, Ottawa Citizen, Edmonton Journal, and the Vancouver Province. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.